Hello again, witches, seekers, and friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 38 of the Fat Feminist Witch Podcast, which I almost called Emotional Rescue because I love the Rolling Stones, but those dudes love money. So today we're talking about emotional witchcraft. We'll talk about self-care and shadow work, how our emotions affect our magic, and I'm going to review one of my favorite new witch books, Light Magic for Dark Times by Lisa Marie Basile, and uh, it's going to be great. This episode really goes best with a warm blanket and a hot cup of tea and a really snuggly animal friend. (laughs) Hey y'all and happy Thanksgiving to my American friends. Of course, fuck Christopher Columbus. Uh, But feasting with your loved ones is always something that I can get behind. Plus, napping on the couch in your favorite old man rocking chair after dinner is like, it's the best. It's the best nap in the world. And it's... Everyone does it. It's like the napping Super Bowl right now. So I really respect that. (laughs) Uh, Family holidays aren't really the best for everyone, though. And if you're one of those people, today we're talking about acknowledging and honoring our emotions, especially those darker and scarier feelings, you know, the ones we tend to keep hidden, as well as ways to soothe yourself magically after dealing with them. So it's pretty good timing, right? It's almost like I planned it. Uh, I don't know about all of you guys, but I am, uh, oh man, I'm tired. I'm real tired. This year has been a total roller coaster ride. Uh, politically speaking, oh my gosh, the change and the intense transformation that's just been building up over the last few years or like the last decade uh, is still really going strong. And it's just, we're getting thicker and thicker into it every single day. And that's good because In the end, that will bring about a lot of change. But right now, all over the world, we're seeing bombing and pain and shootings and fear and anger and hate and violence all over the place. And this is affecting everyone. (laughs) Everyone. Don't feel bad if it's really starting to um, to wear you you down. Uh, If you're a marginalized person who kind of finds yourself as a direct target of all of that, It's even harder to go out there and to not, you know, blow up on everyone or run away and hide in a cave until it's all over, let alone get yourself to a spiritual place so that you can actually, you know, make some magic or attain your goals or anything. Lately, for me, every tarot reading and horoscope I've had over the last, like, month has been telling me that it's time to slow down and that I'm worn out and, like, girl, just stop. (laughs) Even uh, I had a, a Reiki treatment and my friend was like, girl, you need to slow down and you need to just relax for a while. You're all over the place and, and everything feels out of balance. And it's really hard. It's really hard to take care of yourself in the society that we live in sometimes. But the antidote to all of these feelings is something called self-care, which I'm sure you've heard before. According to Wikipedia, In healthcare, self-care is any necessary human function which is under individual control, deliberate, and self-initiated, which is pretty wide open. It's really just just anything that you do to make yourself work. Uh, In psychological or mental health circles, self-care is anything that you do to get yourself back to proper working order after something triggering or traumatic or difficult. It's taking care of yourself and soothing yourself and healing yourself. On Instagram, it's incredibly fancy baths. (laughs) Very fancy baths. A lot like the discussion we had, you know, around Halloween about aesthetic witchcraft. 
there are a lot of articles and photos and blog posts that boil self-care down into something really pretty and usually kind of expensive. You know, some some real luxury, you know, treat yourself, which I love, by the way. <laughs> Parks and Rec was awesome. Uh, and while that's great, and I love a good luxurious bath, oh, but that isn't actually going to help everyone and it doesn't work for every situation. Sometimes you can feel a little bit put off from self-care. Like, I don't have a million dollars to make this crazy bath full of fruit and fresh flowers. This is this is just beyond my capabilities. I guess I just have to suffer. Well, that's not. <laughs> don't worry. Self-care can also be magical in nature. So you can use your magic or your spell work to help deal with real-world issues or to calm down after a difficult event. And you can use magic to help unearth and heal some of the problems that you have that aren't really coming from outside of you, but inside, you know, people aren't causing them. They're just, they're issues that you have and you've had them for quite some time. You might know what they are and you might not. Self-care is a very personal and individual thing, process. There's no list on the internet somewhere that will tell you all of the actions that definitely count as self-care for you to check off. Uh, you won't even find a list of all the different kinds of magical self-care because everyone's different and everybody needs different things. But we're going to try a little bit. <laughs> so I tend to divide what I consider to be magical acts or magical acts of or uses for self-care into four categories, physical, spiritual, emotional, and sexual. I can also guarantee that you've done at least one thing from those first three, first three categories. <laughs> it's, it's all kind of very basic stuff. So magical self-care for your physical needs is really what it sounds like. Magic that heals, helps, and protects your physical body. So that's things like grounding to calm yourself down, uh, having snacks or water after doing a ritual to kind of head off that psychic hangover or just uh, replenish your sources of energy, um, using herbs or crystals for physically for physical healing, energetic healing like Reiki works for pretty much all of the categories, but I feel a lot of physical sensations during Reiki. It can also be magic to protect your body or your home. So things like shielding and warding and banishing. I also think that any of the spiritual work that is done by doulas, um, all of that kind of stuff is, it's not really self-care because you're not doing it for yourself, but I'm sure they, they help themselves out as well. But all of that kind of very uh, spiritual and also healing energy, those are all kind of acts and activities that can be considered physical self-care. Self-care for your spiritual side is even more individual, especially because everyone's idea of spirituality or the spirit is entirely different. Uh, I consider it any magical activities that strengthen my commitment to spirituality, um, help me get more out of my practice, and learn more about my own spiritual self. So this is stuff like meditation, working with chakras or your aura to clear it out or to strengthen it to make sure it's running, spiritual cleansing and purification, uh, diving into something like your Akashic Records to learn more about your spiritual history, connecting to spirit guides and ancestors or talking with ghosts, calling in deities and saints, especially if you're, you're asking them to help you with something that 
where you need a little bit of care. Um, saying a prayer is spiritual self-care. So that stuff just it enriches your spiritual life. A real theme that I've I've really been driving home this year on the podcast, and I, I really hope everyone's getting it, um, is the idea that your spirituality can supplement any kind of work you're doing on your emotions, whether it be therapy or a treatment program, or if you're going through some emotional issues with love and relationships. Those can be very, honestly, <laughs> new relationships or getting married or dealing with how you enter into relationships is a really big emotional journey. So any, any of that can be supplemented with, with magic. So if you're going to therapy, you can also use some magic to, to help that along. And when it comes to emotional issues, the sky's the limit with magic. You can, you can do anything. It's just absolutely anything. You can use magic to clear out old wounds or confront some trauma. You can use it to attract new love or new friends into your life. You can use it to analyze and to understand your feelings and then, you know, understand yourself. Um, magic can be used to offer empowerment and support and courage. You can also cast spells like um, to ease the tension in our, at the home or with your family, to help find a job, to bring in money, to help sell your house. And this can ease a lot, a lot of real world stress. And that is an act of self-care. Meditation also has wonderful effects on your emotional state. So that can be an act of uh, emotional self-care as long as you are, you know, thinking this is going to make me feel better. And being a witch on the internet these days means you never have to be alone if you don't want to be. <laughs> so I think that uh, magic and witchcraft can kind of help ease those feelings of loneliness and help you find a community. At least you can go online and you can find people that can magically connect or support us. And I think doing something like that is also an act of self-care. And that comes to my category number four, which is sexual self-care. The page, you might say, isn't that physical or emotional or, oh wait, <laughs> yeah, sexuality is a part of all of those categories and is also somehow outside of them and its own thing. Sex and sexuality can be a very difficult topic for some people and a very attractive and exhilarating topic for others. Some people like to keep them separate, their magic and their sexuality, and others like to fully blend the two. So... You can use magic to confront and understand your own feelings about sex. You can use it to figure out what you want out of sex and sexuality. You can analyze your feelings about your gender presentation or anything else about how you relate to sex and gender and sexuality and sensuality and love and figure out what's going on if you feel like something there is holding you back. You can help yourself heal some sexual trauma in your past or even just deal with your feelings about your sexual history, no matter what they are. And you can also, you can use sexual energy in magic to raise energy. You can also attract sex into your life or you can use sexual energy to create pieces of art, to tap into your creativity, to tap into your feelings of passion. And you can harness that energy into any sort of project or pursuit. And finally, the most important thing that you can, I guess, do or discover with magical sexual self-care is 
pleasure. <laughs> pleasure, feeling good. I mean, that's just some of the most powerful magic in the whole world. Exchange your whole day or whole life to experience like even a moment of real pleasure and to create it for yourself is very, very empowering. And I've really been interested in this idea of healing sexual fear or trauma with crystals and with spirituality. And so I recently picked up Crystal Healing and Sacred Pleasure by Vanessa Cuccia, the founder of Shock Rubs, <laughs> the sex, to the crystal sex toys. Um, and I can't wait to really dive into reading it because it's really, really interesting. This whole book is about healing yourself, loving yourself and empowering yourself. And it's, it's a very powerful feeling. And when you think about it, it really is a serious emotion that comes from really deep down in us. It's kind of a a primordial part of ourselves. And there's a there's a lot of magic in that. So some of you might have noticed that a lot of those examples of self-care, I mean, they don't really sound that chill. <laughs> uh, digging up trauma, analyzing your feelings, confronting your demons. That's that's not really what most people would call soothing. And that's <laughs> that's a far cry from our beautiful Instagram baths. <laughs> It's not wrong to always just want to do the beautiful bath instead of this stuff because it's scary. But self-care isn't always just about soothing your pain, but helping you move through it. And sometimes that just sucks. It just sucks. <laughs> I wish I had more to that sentence, but, uh, but I don't. Um, this kind of work is called shadow work, which is another term you might have heard a lot uh they often show up in the same kind of, well, here they are in the same podcast and I'm not the first one. So that's an idea. Uh, shadow work is, is an activity that you undertake to work with your hidden and buried feelings and experiences. Our shadow self, this term was coined by Carl Jung, the, the psychologist. And according to him, our shadow self is either a part of or the whole of our unconscious. 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 <laughs> uh, it's a place we're not totally aware of. And we don't always even know what's in there. You know, we, we don't, we're not aware of it. It's shadow for a reason. It's, um, it's hidden. We also tend to hide things there ourselves. The things about ourselves that are shameful or ugly or painful some of that stuff we keep hidden on purpose, sometimes because we don't want to face it or because we don't want anyone to know. And sometimes our brains hide things in there because we're unable to deal with them at the time. <laughs> Cute, right? Repressed memories. Yay. I know it's heavy stuff. Uh, this is another concept, shadow work, that has a healthcare face as well as this magical or spiritual face. If you Google shadow work, you're going to find a lot of results that have nothing to do with witchcraft or spellcraft or spirituality or tarot or anything like that. You are going to find a lot of results that have to do with psychological work that people are doing on themselves, often with therapy. But there is this magical side. And through things like journaling and meditation, spellcraft, prayer, we can find, confront, and understand our own shadow selves. <laughs> and you might be thinking, but why the hell would I want to do that? 
though much of what you find in your shadow will be that dark or for lack of a better term negative stuff that we have in there that's not everything that's in there we all have fears and insecurities that aren't totally based in reality so for those with a diagnosed condition like depression or PTSD anxiety or an eating disorder you already know that our brains can sometimes skew how we perceive the real world around us and even ourselves. It skews our image of ourselves. So in digging through your shadow, you'll no doubt discover some really wonderful and beautiful things about yourself that you couldn't see before or that you weren't willing to believe applied to you because of this pain or this insecurity. Maybe that darkness that you've been hiding is actually in itself beautiful. Shadow work is how you finally meet this other part. It's not good or bad. It's not, we use dark and light. It's just because it is a a polarizing force. It's a polar opposite image of us. So kind of like self-care, you'd be hard pressed to find a nice organized list of activities on the internet. Um, that can tell you exactly what shadow work is and and how it goes. (laughs) That's you're, you're not that lucky Um, because it's so personal. And this is important because just because you're on this awesome, magical self-improvement journey, that doesn't mean that you need to tackle everything right now. There might be some very scary things lurking in your shadow. Some people have unimaginable trauma and pain in their history And like I said, for a lot of people, that is locked up. Uh, Repressed memories, unearthing them can be difficult and is definitely something you should work with a therapist for. Uh, But the whole process could be very triggering in a lot of different ways. And the idea is not to push yourself into a pit of despair or to punish yourself for all of these things. It's to learn about your whole being. You're not supposed to judge your shadow. You're supposed to learn from it. No one can tell you what kinds of things are lurking in there. No one can tell you what issues you have to deal with or when. No one can tell you when you're finished even. But I can help you get started. So to be clear, shadow work is fairly new to me. This is something I've been working on for the last, um, when did I get this book? I think since September, September, October. I have been working on some shadow work and trying it out and looking for like instructions, (laughs) instructions on how to get started. And there, there just really aren't a lot because of the very personal nature of it. But a really good tip, and (laughs) I hate that I didn't think of it first, is to start working with your shadow, you have to actually, you know, identify it. (laughs) you have to identify your shadow you have to find out what it is that's in there what things you've been holding on to or hiding and that can all be really really difficult I know it took me a while (laughs) and I'm still doing it right I'm always doing it um so I tried to sit and meditate and I tried to bring forth an image or an idea just something to get started, something I could draw or something that I could, you know, write about, but I couldn't think of anything. Um, I'm a really visual person and I often need like a picture or a visual cue. So 
In light magic for dark times, there's this practice for finding or identifying your own shadowy archetype. And I had a hard time with that. I still had a hard time with that. Uh, The author suggested looking towards villains or dark characters that we've always felt drawn to, but not because, you know, oh my God, this is so awesome. And you brag about it all the time. It's a villain or dark character that you admire because you see a part of yourself in them, but you feel like you could never be anything like that. Or maybe they really, really scare you, but there is still something about them that's very attractive. I've never really been into villains. Unless you count Poison Ivy, but like, who doesn't love Poison Ivy? Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit of a goody two-shoes, you know? I, I I root for the good guy, and I'm not a Slytherin, and I just... It was really hard for me to find a villain that I thought I had that kind of connection with. But after a couple of weeks, I remembered an experience that I had at a psychic expo a few years back. So this guy, this psychic guy, Peter was talking about court cards and their personalities. He was talking about the queens. And he was also psychically selecting people in the audience and telling them which court cards that they were. I was late (laughs) and I was a little bit loud. And he made a little bit of a fuss. He made a joke. And then he went back to what he was doing. And then he turned to me, he looked and he said, okay, you, you're the queen of swords. And I was really bummed out because that is so not how... I see myself at all. The Queen of Swords is cold and unemotional. She's very reserved and hyper-rational, but she's like successful and really ambitious. And she can be really vindictive, manipulative, um, just kind of mean. (laughs) She just seemed very mean and emotionally detached. Peter said that the Queen of Swords was someone with a broken heart, someone who couldn't move past that heartbreak. And he assumed it was some guy or relationship and, you know, said, you just have to let it go. But I knew exactly what he meant. And he was talking about my mom. My difficult relationship with my mom is probably the first and most significant heartbreak that I've ever experienced. And it's affected me deeply all throughout my life. And not only do I associate that card with my mother specifically, uh, because of all those things, it really started to make me think of how hard I try to be somebody different. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to not wanting to turn into your mother or your father or whatever. But son of a bitch, right? So (laughs) damn, Peter. So he really blew my mind with this like off the cuff reading. And so that's the card that I chose for my So I chose it to be my shadowy archetype and I looked through a whole bunch of Queen of Swords. None of the decks I actually owned had one that I felt fit. And then I found um, the Queen of Swords from the Sluttest Tarot. I love the Sluttest Tarot and I'm like perpetually saving up for a copy for myself. Um, I just love it. But this deck has this particular queen in a very uh, fashionable 1980s style woman. She's got sharp claws and 1980s style cut clothes. She's got a bitchy face and she's wielding this very large, heavy looking sword. And she also has spiritual elements, just like, uh, you know, she's got a blouse that's covered in spider webs and she's got a brooch of an upside down pentacle on her jacket. And I just, to me, she really stood out. My mom was a very fashionable woman in the 80s. She was very 
<laughs> my mom's like the opposite of me, right? She's She was super thin and very tall. And she had a really pretty good fashion sense for the 80s. The 80s were really a good time for her. So she she always looked very fashionable and she was really strong. She did bodybuilding and stuff like that. So this queen just really kind of reminded me about her, but it, it reminded me of some of the things about her that I liked. And so that made it easier for me to see this queen as like a shadow, but that there's also something good to be found there. And I was following, you know, Light Magic for Dark Times, and it said to write um, all the things that you disliked about this character, about this archetype, about this image, whatever, everything that you hated about it. And then I had to write whatever there was to like or respect about the character. And I wrote them on a notebook on two, you know, kind of facing each other pages. And that list of things to like and respect about the Queen of Swords is twice as long as the stuff I hated. And that just, like, I couldn't believe it. I've always felt this card was icky. And after that, I felt even ickier about it. <laughs> Damn, Peter. Uh, but seriously, that was really cool. Uh, so it just seemed like a really good fit for me, for my my shadowy archetype. And, you know, my mind got blown a little bit. And I know that, I know that it got blown a little bit because when I saw my social worker a week later, She's giving me, not like homework, but you know, homework. Um, we're working on self-esteem right now. And she sent me home with some stuff to kind of journal and to write about. And when I brought it in, she commended me on how well I had done at digging deep and being honest with myself. And she was like, you know, you really, you hit something real here. And I'm so proud of you. And I was like, oh my God, it's not just, I'm not making it up. This is real. So, now, what I have from from this card, from this archetype, I'm no longer starting from zero. I have this whole list of things and issues and ideas to kind of interrogate my shadow self about. I can figure out, you know, what it is about this character, this card that I'm so afraid of emulating. And you can do this yourself, but you can create your own image if you if you want, if your brain works that way. I wish mine did. Uh, or your or a description or something with art supplies, or you can write a poem. You can make a very clean bulleted list, or you can grab a magazine and start cutting it up and make yourself a collage. There's no wrong way to figure out what your shadow self looks like. But I like that because it gave me a really great starting point. And it actually gave me like pages and pages of a starting point, but... <laughs> But it gave me a really great place to start. There's also a point in our astro charts that can help shed some light on our shadow selves. And I know astrology is hard, but <laughs> bear with me. So this sign is called our Black Moon Lilith sign. Uh, Black Moon Lilith is not a solid object in the sky. It's an empty space that kind of exists between the Earth and the Moon's pass, path at the time that you were born and, and all of that. And this is said to be our true hidden shadow self. And it's named after Lilith, who I believe I talked about in my last episode with the satanic witches. Cool. Uh, <laughs> so this sign um, can enlighten you on aspects of your hidden personality based on your astrological chart. 
So things like sexuality, issues with vanity, your true desires, instincts of self-preservation, stuff like that. All of that real nitty gritty stuff. So my black moon Lilith is in the sign of Cancer, which ha ha ha, it's my mother's zodiac sign. <laughs> like her sun sign. So funny. And um, those with this in Cancer often face issues with motherhood and thus their femininity and sexuality. And I swear, I laugh cried when I read, I'm, I'm almost mad. <laughs> you know, when you get dragged by your tarot cards and you're like, fuck you guys. That's kind of how I felt. But it let me know that I was on the wrong track, right? Ooh. So when you, you figure out your sign and find a good description, again, you'll have a really good starting point, a list of things to kind of examine about yourself, things to start with. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to put a link so that you can find your astro chart, have that um, calculated, and also just your Black Moon Lilith sign if you want. You, you kind of need to know the time that you were born. <laughs> it says if you don't know, click here. And I, I do know, so I've never clicked here. <laughs> so I don't know what it'll give you, but it is really for a full chart. You want to have that, that moment that you were born. It's great. I, I, I love astrology. I love astrology. I'm not an astrologer. I don't have great astrology skills, but man, is it ever interesting. And I love reading it. I love reading it. And it's so, it's so on point sometimes. So, so, so on point. Even so far as to go saying, you know, a lot of Capricorns don't really resonate with their sign as children and they, they grow up kind of resentful that Capricorn is their sign because they see that as a negative thing. And I'm like, damn, that's me because <laughs> it was always boring. And now as an adult, I'm like, nope, I'm definitely a Cap. Give me my goat horns. <laughs> Sorry, I got off topic. So since it's a very introspective kind of practice, shadow work consists of a lot of journaling and meditating and divination, consulting spirit guides, um, and sometimes even tapping into your Akashic records to clear shadow parts from past lives. That's really, that's some deep stuff. I, <laughs> I can tell you how to, you know, walk on into your Akashic records room and from there it gets very out of my wheelhouse. Uh, but I found some great stuff online. So Kellyanne Maddox has a lot of guides on shadow work. She has a whole playlist on her YouTube channel that explains shadow work. And the ones for getting started and beginners, those are really, really great. And they echoed some of the stuff that I'd been reading in my other sources here, like starting with finding a shadowy archetype. She also shares a lot of her own personal experiences with shadow work. So that's really cool. And on her website, she has a free PDF of 25 journaling prompts for shadow work that are pretty great that I actually found on Pinterest. Again, I'm going to put all of these links on my, on my website and in the description. But that is still a very self-guided, <laughs> a, a very self-guided way of going about shadow work, which can be a little bit scary. So if you want a more guided way to begin shadow work, Joanna DeVoe from the Hippie Witch Podcast has a six-part course called Shadow Love, Return to the Seat of the Soul, which pretty much everyone I asked recommended. Like, I had so many recommendations. I don't think anyone actually recommended anything else, except I'd love to know when you find one. So everyone I know has recommended me this course. 
And since she's a real sweetheart, she set up a special deal just for Fat Feminist Witch Podcast listeners. So for the next two weeks, you can get $10 off the course if you use the code WITCHLOVE, all lowercase, all one word, W-I-T-C-H-L-O-V-E at checkout. And again, I've put the link for that in the description. And that's really great. So over the course of six days, she sends you these these different parts in there. They're audio files for you to listen to and, and to learn from, and it guides you into getting started with shadow work and working on things like um, having the courage to love yourself and doing the stuff that's best and, and confronting your darkness and loving your darkness. So that's really, really cool. And it'll really help you if you're struggling to get started. Thanks, Joanna. <laughs> One that was so nice. I didn't even ask. She offered that. That's so cool. So now that we know what some types of magical self-care are, and we even know how to do our shadow work, you might still be wondering, why should I do this? <laughs> I mean, on one hand, I mean, clearing out old trauma is, is pretty good for you, and it can be therapeutic if it's done right and at the right moment and you're ready. Uh, moving on, growing these crazy, like, mystical unicorn <laughs> situations, they're really great. But shadow work is not just about a little thing like your overall well-being or mental health. Uh, <laughs> when elements of your shadow self become so big that they actually start to to bust out and kind of take over your life and skew your perception of yourself and of the world, that affects your magic too. The more you know and understand about yourself and about the world around you, the more effectively you can go after what you really want and need and harness the right energy. So if you're doing the same kind of spell all the time, week after week, and never ever seeing results, it might not be a problem with the spell or the ingredients that you're using. It could be that you're asking for the wrong thing. Let's say you cast a spell for money every single week. And I actually, I had a customer come into a metaphysical store I worked at, and every single week she got a prosperity candle. And uh, every single week, like on payday, <laughs> it was part of her payday routine. And she swore by it. She, she said, you know, every week since she started doing that, she hasn't had to struggle as much. She's been able to save. She's been able to pay off some bills. It was really, really great. So that, that's one that's working, but let's say it's not working. So you get your money, your money spell every week and every week you're still broke. You're still living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, maybe you can't even get a loan. You can't even get money from a bank or from a shady loan shark. <laughs> you can't get money from anywhere and you're doing all the real world stuff too. You're doing it all right. You know, you're picking up extra shifts at work and you're sticking to a budget and you're being frugal and you're buying cheap garbage and you know, what's going on? So what if somewhere in your past, in your lifetime, you had an experience that made you think negatively about people with money? Maybe you were very poor growing up or you lived near some very rich people and had bad experiences with them or you saw money come between a relationship and, and destroy things. Subconsciously, you could still see money as kind of bad, no matter how much you 
want money and no matter how much you're willing to pay your bills and all of that stuff, money could still have a pretty negative moral kind of connotation to you. You could also have an issue where you see money as the only way of attaining security or happiness. And although, <laughs> although having zero money uh, is, it's the hardest thing in the whole world. It's the hardest thing in the whole world. And um, gosh, if I could just snap my fingers and get anybody out of that situation, I would. But um but when you get right down to it, uh, having money doesn't necessarily mean that you are secure and that you have a good life. You definitely don't have money problems, but <laughs> you might still have all other problems. And it's hard to form a really clear intention for your magic if you don't really understand yourself or what it is that you want or need or your place in the world. And <laughs> I know that sounds big. It's just every now and then you get it wrong, right? <laughs> that was a personal example, by the way. I, uh, when I was a kid, I moved from like this really cute, like middle class biker kind of neighborhood to in the big city, like right in the middle of the city, right near the mall. I was so excited to become a teenager. Oh, still so bummed. Uh, <laughs> I'm still so bummed I don't still live there. But we moved from there to a small town suburb full of rich white people. It was difficult. I didn't fit in. I was really, really unhappy. And to this day, I still kind of apply morality to money. Like sometimes I find myself thinking someone must be awful just because they're very rich or they have money or that someone might be better or stronger or, you know, more creative because they've struggled through poverty, you know, the starving artist. And just capitalism, you know, eat the rich, all that punk rock gold shit. But uh, that's still messed up. <laughs> That's still messed up and it, and it affects me. How can I expect myself to be smart and capable with money and be independent, financially independent, and to make a financial living for myself if I subconsciously believe that having more money would make me a crummier person? That's hard because your instincts would make you say, oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be someone I don't want to, so I'm just going to avoid this problem. And you might not even know, <laughs> might not even know that's in there because I didn't quite realize it. Um, and you can still, you can still hate capitalism and not hate individual rich people. I'm working on it, but you can. So those are the kind of issues that you can clear up and clear out with your shadow work. And once you understand all of that stuff and you can decide what it is that you want and who you want to be and how exactly you're going to make that happen. You can really set goals and intentions and your magic will be more powerful and your intent will be more clear. And that's the goal, right? The goal for every witch is to cast spells that work. I think that's my goal a lot of the time. <laughs> Most of the work with self-care magic and shadow work that I've been doing lately has come out of today's book review of Shadows Pick, which is Light Magic for Dark Times by Lisa Marie Basile, who is the founder of Luna Luna magazine. I'm obsessed with this book. <laughs> I gave it five crystal balls out of five because it's absolutely fantastic. It's fantastic. I, the second I got it, I was, I felt like ecstatic. I was so, so happy. 
I love everything about this book and it's got super, super good vibes. So Light Magic for Dark Times really kind of says it all. It's a bunch, more than a hundred spells, rituals, and practices for coping in a crisis and for dealing with those crises even far after the fact. This is definitely one of my favorite new witch books of the year, if not ever. <laughs> uh, I'm in love with everything about it. When it arrived, which was courtesy of the author Lisa, who offered me a copy to review on Twitter. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. Um, I really gasped out loud <laughs> because it's this really, it's, it's a gorgeous book. It's, it's small. It's hard cover, hard cover. It's got this pink marble motif and moon phases and thick pages and hand drawn images and these watercolor accents all the way through you know, fits in my purse, but it also looks really nice on my coffee table. And it's just, it's absolutely gorgeous. And as soon as you start looking through it, you can feel how warm and creative everything in the book really is. Uh, when she offered it to me, I was like, yes, I definitely like it because I desperately need some light magic because I've been going through some dark times. <laughs> which I have. And I found this book very comforting and compassionate and inspirational. I really like it. This is part of kind of the new crop of witch books that I've been seeing lately that forego some of the old rules and overblown ritual and instead really focus on self-improvement and happiness, security, and an openness to and about all kinds of love, love for yourself and love for others. It's also very political in nature, which I respect. So the spells and rituals you find in here are like that. And they're kind of short, you know, most only taking up a page, but it's because it encourages you to take that spell or ritual and turn it into whatever it is that you want or you need. It leaves it open. It encourages creativity. It shows you how to write incantations and magical poems and most of the spells in here call for nothing more than a pen and a paper and your intention. And I love that. This is magic that anybody can do. There are a few spells, if you like them, that involve, first of all, there's some really great bath spells. <laughs> Baths are still viable self-care. They just can't be the only thing. But there's some really, really great bath spells. Uh, but there's also spells that involve lots of candles or that involve carrying your spell over from night to day or doing it over the course of a week. So it does have the kind of bigger, more ritualistic little bit of stuff spells, if that's what you like. I like that. I like having both. So the book is divided into nine chapters, uh, which doesn't include the awesome foreword by Kristen Soleil, the author of Witches, Sluts, Feminists. Uh, and then a little introduction by Lisa that explains some of the basics like, who is a witch? Do I need to believe in God? And techniques for grounding and cleansing and recognizing your intention in the first place. And from there, you move through topics like love, grief and trauma, shadow work and writing magic. <laughs> I loved the shadow work and writing magic chapters. Those are my favorite so far. If you're a lifelong witch, a lot of the things in there will seem like they're for beginners. Like maybe you've read something like this before, but there's nothing wrong with getting back to kind of basic witchcraft. 
And likewise, in some of these spells that you might recognize, you'll still see some modern touches or twists that are totally new. So bath spells, candle spells, writing rituals and meditations, altar practices, teaches you how to create sigils and a mojo bag. It's still got a lot of really great spells and rituals and fun witchcraft, but it's very focused on improving yourself and your life. It's great. And the writing is great. <laughs> so Lisa is a poet and you can check out her website, Luna Luna Magazine. And it's an online community that publishes poetry and spells and essays and interviews that are all geared towards uh, witches and marginalized people and non-binary people. And it's, it's really, really great. And it's clear right away, right away, first page that Lisa has real wonderful writing talent. Uh, the whole book feels really warm and really compassionate. The language is great. It's really beautiful and poetic, but it's also very casual. Like, it's really interesting. It's like I'm reading a script from an actual conversation with a friend that's just been edited by, <laughs> by someone with a much nicer vocabulary. Uh, <laughs> and this honestly happened. I found myself reading a few of the pages and passages and stuff like that to kind of like a rhythm, like the, it all started to flow together, almost like a poem. So it's it's pretty clear that Lisa's uh, writing skills definitely are poetic in nature. And I loved it. It was really nice. The writing itself is really, really nice. Some of my favorite chapters were like I said, the writing magic in chapter seven was really great. But five, chapter five, which is identity and body, and chapter six, shadow work, were and are very, very wonderful and enlightening. And I found a million things in both of these chapters that I needed for myself. So in identity and body, she has a spell for getting comfortable with a workout routine, the idea of working out. Um, and another one for self-love for those with chronic illness. And I love that. Um, I'm knee deep in the shadow work chapter, obviously. Got myself my shadowy archetype. I started a journal and I've been journaling so much more. I illuminated some of my shadows, which was a spell that was in there and disposed of serious psychic garbage. And that's pretty exciting. Like I said, my counselor noticed and that's pretty cool. So I genuinely recommend this book, um, especially if you are interested in getting started working magic into your self-care routine, or if you're interested in starting shadow work. If you need magic that can help you and nourish you and soothe you and help you heal yourself, that's exactly what you're going to find in this book. And I can almost guarantee that every one of you will find something to like about it. It's, it's seriously fantastic. It's beautiful. And I can't even put it down. Like I keep dragging it from room to room. I can tell I'm going to wreck it. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy myself a second copy. So yes, book review of Shadows, Light Magic for Dark Times has earned a five out of five crystal ball rating, which means I literally can't live without this now. Uh, and that's not just because in the back here, in her list of resources, you find under podcasts, oh, right under, right under the witch wave, is the fat feminist witch with the serpent cast on the other side. I'm like right in between two of my favorite modern witchy podcasts. I just like, 
I'm floored. <laughs> I can't believe I'm in the resource section of a witch book. Wild. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's honestly like, I'm going to frame a picture of it and put it on my wall. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm shocked and uh, flattered and grateful. It's really cool. So, but that's not the reason why I gave it a good review. I gave it a good review because it deserved it. I promise. <laughs> okay, y'all. I think that's all the witching and bitching I have for you today. I'm sure in an hour or two, I'll realize that I forgot to mention something that I considered incredibly important. <laughs> Yay, can't wait. So if you want to find more information of, about any of the stuff that I talked today, I will be putting links either in the description right on Podbean or iTunes or on my blog at thefatfeministwitch.com. If you want to learn more about Lisa, you can. She's all over social media. Uh, her, Luna Luna Magazine, and Light Magic for Dark Times. You can find all three. <laughs> you can find all three on Instagram. You can find Lisa and Luna Luna on Twitter. And you can also go to the website at lunalunamagazine.com to find out more about Light Magic for Dark Times. And of course... To buy yourself a copy because it's amazing. Uh, if you have a local library or a local witchy bookstore, I highly recommend you ask them to purchase or start carrying this book. It's really, really great and everybody's going to love it. Oh my God, can you guys hear those dogs out there? It's these two groups of dogs that walk through my neighborhood. One of them are all three, these little tiny matching very hairy things. They're so cute. <laughs> like brown and white spotted. And then there's this other little group of dogs. And it's a very old, small poodle. A medium old, <laughs> like <laughs> pug, <laughs> like maybe a puggle even. And then this really, really big, hairy, fluffy dog that's only a few months old. He's She's gigantic. And every time they see each other, they go, wild and they just start barking and saying hello and they want to play it's real cute uh anyways <laughs> i don't know if i'm gonna cut that out or not uh anyways so thank you all for tuning in to episode 38 of the fat feminist witch podcast if you want to find out more about the show you can go to the you can also find me on facebook twitter instagram pinterest like i'm just everywhere if you type in the fat feminist witch i will be the one that comes up if you want to support the show and keep it going, there are a few ways you can do that. You can go to my website and click a little button that says buy me a coffee to donate, you know, some coffee change. You can also join the Witch and Bitch, which is my private monthly membership group. And that's 10 bucks a month and all of that money helps support the podcast and, and keep me on the air. You can also, if you are a witchy retailer or creator or artist or author, you can advertise here on the Fat Feminist Witch. So I have ad space that you can buy and you can go to advertisecast.com slash the Fat Feminist Witch to check that out. I hope you all have a, a wonderful weekend. We've got a full moon coming up on Friday the 23rd. Talk about a good time for some light magic for dark times. Am I right, friends? <laughs> so this weekend, I want you to practice some magical self-care. Do something magical for yourself, just something that will make you feel better, feel happier, or feel more prepared to go out and take on the world. And if you want to tell me about it on social media, I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> All right, everybody have a really good weekend and a beautiful full moon. Stay magical, everybody. 